0: This is clefcentral.com.
1: Hello there, welcome to The Opinion Booth With myself, Sonia Booth And yes, Superwoman by Alicia Keys Very appropriate for today's topic And the title being The White Dress Project My guests today, Dr. Gary Sudwitz And Tanika Gray-Valbron Did I say yes. that yes. correctly? And uh, Audrey Mutari Yes,
2: hi
1: <laughs> Welcome Thank to you. Opinion Booth
2: Thanks for having
1: mm-hmm. us <laughs> Dr. Sudwitz an interventional radiologist. Uh,
0: Gary, it's a, lot of <laughs> it's, a ma- it's a mouthful, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just, uh, and
1: for sure. uh, I know you head the fibroid treatment clinic. You, uh, did you also f- uh, were you the founder?
0: yeah I founded the fibroid treatment clinic which I, I just do one little bit of fibroid treatment there 's a, there's a whole um, array of treatments there 's a whole array of options women have and we 've just taken it upon ourselves to uh, publicize the, the the huge public health issue uh, that is fibroids uh, so the fibroid treatment clinic is is a company it 's a commercial company that I own but what we do so we treat fibroids, but a lot of women need treatments that we don't necessarily provide we just want to make women aware uh that there's help uh that there's a network that they're not alone that there are millions and millions and millions of women going through exactly the same thing as they are but they're not talking about it so this is this is our endeavor uh to partner with white dress project to make women aware to help them uh in their journey with fibroids
2: okay
1: and tanika you are a cnn content producer Yes. A journalist and founder of the US-based nonprofit organization, The White Dress Project. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can wear white.
3: Yes. Welcome. Um, thank you to
1: thank you. South so Africa because be I know you've, you you only arrived here on Thursday. Yes. Did you come here specifically for this?
3: Yes, I came specifically to meet Dr. Gary and you know just partner and meet women in South Africa to figure out if what we've done in the U.S. can be duplicated here. Okay. So really excited about being here.
1: And have you been warmly
3: welcomed oh, by warmly. our fellow South Africans? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I love South Africa.
1: Okay. That's, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear. Yes. And um, Audrey, we're going to be um, chatting to you a bit later on because you've got an incredible story. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I read a little bit about you from uh, De- uh, Dr. Gary's um, Facebook post, mm-hmm. and I just could not believe what you've been through. But I know you're gonna share that um, with us yeah. later on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thanks. Th- thanks for joining yeah, us. By the so way, really. I know you left a, a very young baby. How? How? Sorry.
2: Old? she's three months. Three months only yeah. to be here. Yeah. yeah,
1: I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks
2: a lot. All right.
1: So. Those of you that have read my book, Surviving ICU, you, know that Dr. Sudwards wrote the foreword. He was a guest on uh, Pumi Masekho's show, War Mandler, last year, and they were discussing fibroid facts. It is for this reason that I chose not to do a repeat by asking the same questions. Anyone wanting to listen to that podcast can download it via the Cliff Central website or app. More info is also available on the Fibroid Treatment Clinic f- Facebook page. Yeah, that's right fibroids.coza. Fibroids. Yeah, that's right. The white dress project.com. Yes. All mm-hmm. right. So, Tanika, yes. You know a woman is confident when she wears white because it is not a forgiving color.
3: Right.
1: The white dress project. How did the
3: name come about and what is the aim? So, the white dress project's aim is to make women aware of fibroids, um, through education, uh, through outreach events, through storytelling. Um, but once a woman is aware, we are also on a mission to make sure that she is her best health advocate. Um, obviously, we have doctors and we have family members and, and researchers, um, but it, it's so important to be your own best health advocate. I often tell women that you should go to the doctor armed with questions, um ready to you know to make sure that you get all your questions answered about your body um because no one is going to be as invested as you are uh, so the white dress um is so significant to me because i suffered with fibroids and i had 27 removed uh, a couple years ago so it was really traumatic for me um you know I had often experienced heavy bleeding and abdominal bloating um, so when I decided to start this organization, I realized that I didn't have any white in my closet, and it was because I had sacrificed my quality of life uh, so much due to the fibroids. So as you rightly said, you know, fibroids, um, when a woman is wearing fibro- uh, white, she feels comfortable and she feels confident. Um, so this organization, I want women to know that even though we have this epidemic, you know, the white symbolizes hope and it symbolizes empowerment and you can be strong and you can be confident, even though we have this epidemic.
1: Right. So, I mean, you've just mentioned that you had 27 of them removed yeah, just two years ago. And I mean, mm-hmm. 27, this is at one theater session, if I right. can call it that, during one operation. Right. All 27 of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was the size of your tummy?
3: Oh, I, I have, I've always been relatively slim. Um, but my belly has always looked like I've, you know, five months pregnant, six months pregnant. So I was always that young lady that, you know, people would say, so when are you due? You know, so that was always very traumatic to me. Um, and because of that, I, I never felt comfortable. Sometimes, you know, white or not, I never felt comfortable in clothes because I would always have that protruding belly. So it's, so to answer your question, always, looking six months, five months pregnant. And, you know, that's never complimentary to a woman, you know, when you're not pregnant. I know. And and
1: especially with people congratulating you on a a pregnancy. and You you don't even know how to react. Right. And it's actually embarrassing for them because then they're thinking, oops, I put my foot in it. Exactly.
3: (laughs) And personally, I never ask a woman... Unless she says it, yes, I never ask. You know, when are you expecting? It's just, just due to my own personal trauma from it. It's just not something I do. So, I know it's a, a, a very personal
1: um, to you because your mother went through a lot.
3: Please share on that. She did. My mother lost two sets of twins uh, to fibroids, and you know, having twins is rare in and of itself, but having two sets, four children, um, lost is, is just, you know, tragic. Um, so she shared that experience with me very early on. So I was very familiar with fibroids. Um, but as you mentioned, you know, having that experience is, um, Something that I'll always live with. You know, I'm an only child, and I always think about those four siblings that my mother lost. And, you know, when you are an only child, you you kind of pine, or at least I do, pine for a sibling. Um, So because I don't have that experience, then I, um, you know, often think about those children that my mother lost to fibroids. But it is with that experience and her sharing that with me that I was familiar with what fibroids were. And through this organization, I've seen that, you know, so many women aren't that fortunate to um, have had someone to share the experience with them. So a lot of times, you know, they're going through these symptoms and they're not aware of what they are or, or what's happening with their body. And they kind of just let it, you know, go on and go on and and not get any help about it. Um, um, so, because I had my mother's experience, I think it 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 helped me greatly. You also suffered from something that I had never heard about um, called
1: adeno I mean, it's a it's a mouthful. I have no clue what it is Obviously I did Google yesterday When I was preparing for the show But it just goes to show that a woman like me Who's got access to the internet I mean access to you know well-equipped libraries So if I have no clue about certain conditions I'm only just imagining millions of women out there Especially in the rural areas Where information is not easily available So Mm -hmm. I want you to share your experience about that And Dr. Gary needs to enlighten us And educate us on that condition
0: do you, you want to discuss a- adenomyosis? A- a- yes, please. Sure. Um, so adenomyosis is a condition where the lining – so every month the lining of the womb sheds as a period. So that regrows every month and then it um, it sheds and you have a period. Uh, what happens in adenomyosis is that the uh, lining actually grows into the muscle of the uterus. So it can't shed. It's still hormonally sensitive, so you still get – uh, little bleeds, still swells, incredible pain, horrible periods, uh, the periods are excruciating. We've got patients who are in bed for like a week, a month. They're completely incapacitated. The medication they have to take is severe and that causes all sorts of other problems. Um, and it's long-standing. So now the traditional treatments, uh, for that would be hormonal control. Eventually, most women land up with a hysterectomy. The, interesting thing is the diagnosis of anomyosis is so much better these days than it used to be. So what we used to do is we used to suspect it. It was hard to see an ultrasound and you'd land up with a hysterectomy and then the pathologist would look at it on a slab and say oh well it's anomyosis. Well MRI has changed that. Now most women in South Africa don't have access to MRI. It's very expensive. It's in the you know private hospitals. But we're working to make that more available. It is available in public hospitals obviously at the higher level hospitals. Uh, make that diagnosis. Now you know what you're dealing with. And then you can uh, give a whole bunch of treatment options, which might be hormonal control uh, or just pain medication, all the way to a procedure that I perform as a, an embolization where we inject little tiny particles into the uterus. It kills the adenomyotic cells uh, and, and one recovers.
1: I mean, I was amazed yesterday um, at the fact that one of the patients had a, a, a small dot mm-hmm. size, yeah. like almost like a, would you say it's like a pin drop size? Uh, or?
0: Yeah, just like a pen. On,
1: along the wrist I mean Audrey yeah. So you you, you showing me that I mean I yeah. can, yeah. I, I so can hardly see that I mean this is on the wrist I mean you, you would have to You know visit uh, uh, Dr. Gary's website To actually <laughs> see this To believe it Because I'm amazed I mean it's hardly noticeable It's it's just on the inside Of your wrist Because I mean as women I mean we don't want Any scars to be showing I mean no. we we all about appearance I mm-hmm. mean it's, it's it, you, you come across this vein But fact is No woman wants this Sky, I mean mm-hmm. if it's in a, in a hidden place Perfect, but I mean for you um, I'm marvelous. Amazing. Such. And
2: I had the first one as well when you were still going through The, the leg yeah. and this is definitely The best the oh, uh, so, so just <laughs> to give
0: The audience some input yeah. What we're talking about is um, the, the pulse, where you feel the pulse On the wrist, yes. that's the radial artery So it's on the outer aspect of the Soft side of your wrist, uh, the inside Of your wrist, there's a radial artery uh, and that gives. So we put a little needle in there, uh, and then pass a sheath uh, of a small wire, and that sheath allows access to the arterial system. So we can get into any artery in the body from that point. Which means that uh, Audrey had a procedure three uh, weeks ago.
1: Two.
0: Two weeks. Two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And she's um, in the studio today. Yeah, and, and mm-hmm. so that tiny little mark on her arm is going to be gone in a couple of weeks. Um, so you know, so it's really quite fresh now, but it looks like nothing, um, and uh, and it's great because we just push. There's no stitch, so we just put pressure on there, it, stops bleeding. Uh, a little wrist bracelet, and and that's it. Um, so once we're in there, we 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 pass little catheters and wires. So catheter is a thin little tube, uh, goes into an artery, and we direct that by X-ray. So we look at a map of the arteries that we that we create uh, using X-ray and and a dye. And then through that map, we pass little wires. The wires have a direction because they've got a curve on them, so we can turn them to the left or to the right or front or back. And we can, because of our knowledge of the anatomy, uh, pass them into exactly the right artery, and then inject the tiny little particles. When we're done, we just pull out the catheter and, and push on the on the artery and the on the wrist uh with this uh little wrist bracelet uh or you can even just push with your finger and it stops bleeding and that's it uh, there's no there's no stitches no scar. i mean considering your um uh, experience that you've you've shared with everyone with your book I mean it's quite different
1: and i mean the beauty of it is that i'm discharged the following day yeah just one overnight stay in, in america
0: oh, it's yeah. it's not even overnight same day go home
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I love, wow. I love that! I love that, and I, I wish more women had access to 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 such. I mean, last night you spoke about some um, women being subsidized and only paying like forty nine rands.
0: Yes, so what, so it is available in government hospitals, but only at very high level tertiary level hospitals: Johannesburg, uh, Pretoria, Academic, um, Baraguanath, and in Cape Town. You know, so uh, in the centres where the skills exist, I uh, have a sub. Uh, I Sorry, I have an appointment at Khrushka Hospital where I can teach uh, radiologists and, and and medical students that there is this perf- uh, procedure. I can teach radiologists how to perform the procedure so that we can expand the service. Um, the cost of hospitals providing services is coming down because they don't need super-specialized cath labs. We can do it in uh, uh, less-specialized labs. And, and, and we try to spread out. But as you say, the access is a big issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and the majority of women in South Africa don't have access to, to medical aid. They rely on state hospitals. And so when this really is, is an advocacy program, uh, where we can get government to realize it's a major public health issue that they can have impact on that they can put their money, our money, our tax money, uh, behind, uh, a service that, that really is so much, uh, cheaper in the long run, gets women back to work quicker that they don't have the risk. Uh, but it is, we acknowledge it's a, it's a long process. So the 49 round you're talking about is for, is obviously for patients who don't have any income. Approved, uh, that they don't have any income, uh, and we do it for them. So I feel important that I contribute back. Um, I give twenty percent one day a week uh, to giving back, uh, and that's what we do uh, at Christchurch Hospital.
1: Oh wow! I commend you for that. Thank you. Yeah, oh, wow. I wish more more uh, medics would do what you're doing. Well,
0: there 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 are. I I know the ones that do. Obviously, <laughs> cause yeah. We do in the hospital, and there are a lot to contribute. And, and to be honest, it's a great day. I mean, I get to teach, and I get to show people cool stuff, and we do things with patients that are terribly, terribly desperate. Um, and then we, I, you know, I keep my skills up, and so I, I, it's my best day of the week.
3: Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that. I
3: love that
1: as well. Uh, so, Tanika, your, your experience with, with, with that um, at
3: Um, So it was extremely painful, um, and just I just want to touch really quickly on the scarring go for it, go um, for portion because I find that so amazing that you know you will only Audrey will only have that little scar because my myomectomy um I have a huge scar right below my belly button and to speak about you know how we look in clothes and whether it's vain or not I don't know um <laughs> but it is something I think about all the time when I wear bathing suits when my dress is a little tighter than it probably should be, I think about that scar because I have um, keloid skin so my my scars um, puff up when anytime I'm cut Um, so it's a huge huge um, deal for me so I think the advancement of UFE through the wrist is just amazing I think I, it's
0: really shifting I mean so yeah, exactly. we, we've shifted quickly I mean Audrey yeah. I saw uh, 2016 January we did procedure for her and uh, in uh, July 2017, I changed everything. Cause I feel a bit embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, offered to her earlier. it earlier, it was a few more days, and I was feeling well, she doesn't have a scar uh, where we we originally went in the top of the leg, uh, right in the crease of the of the thigh, um, which again is a place we don't you know you won't see anything, she won't have any scar there. But the recovery is so much better because after the procedure is quite sore. It feels mm-hmm. like. Um, like a very very horrible period pain, mm. a, a deep sort of pelvic pain, and you really want to just lie on your side and curl up in a ball mm. and put maybe a you know a cushion in your in your, in your belly. Uh, you don't want to use a bedpan. You don't want you know you just want to walk to the to, to the toilets uh, after, and that that really allows you to do that. So I think that's been a huge shift uh, in in patient care uh, that we can now offer offer uh, patients radio access for for uterine embolization. Mm.
1: Fantastic. So I mean, you, you mentioned. Uh, Two years ago with the 27 fibroids that Mm -hmm. were removed. So that was not the end because yesterday you shared that you discovered, furthermore,
3: eight, right? Yes. Eight eight fibroids? Yes. So are you considering UFE with Dr. Gary before you go back to the U.S.? (laughs) That would be incredible. Um, Dr. Gary has been um, just so great um, in offering advice um, to my husband and I. And um, I'm really You know, just grateful for him, um, and grateful for this partnership, um, because as I tell women all the time, it's so, so important to get a second opinion, to get a third opinion. Um, I have currently been advised that I, I probably need another myomectomy, right? Um, so speaking with Dr. Gary, you know, he's told me that, you know, that may not be your only option. Yes. Um, so it's just, it's just refreshing to hear that. Um, because as women, I think one of the things that we do, is that we're loyal to our doctors, right and we're we're loyal to our doctors, our hairdressers um so I think that getting a second opinion um being able to um, share with other people what you're going through just to get different opinions, I think is the way to go so i um I'm still you know, conversing with him about my best options, um, and whether I am a candidate for UFE. Um, but I definitely want to maintain my fertility. Um, so I, I, you know, I have quite a few things to weigh. It's 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 got a complicated
0: background, a complicated medical problem and set of problems. Um, and it's not for everybody. Right. And that, that's I think an important thing. So, so I don't work independently. I work with a team, uh, a team of gynecologists, um, who I trust, who trust me, uh, that we can, Say to a patient look let's just let's first figure out what's wrong with you mm-hmm. okay number one let's make a diagnosis and then let's give you all of your options so you, so you can be fully informed and that means that the choice you make is going to be the right choice because it's the right one for you at that time um, and, and that really is what this advocacy is about is, right. is making women aware they have choice there are options there are people suffering the same thing as they are you're not talking about your periods to your friends which is we're just discussing it's kind of mm-hmm. crazy look I'm I've never had a period in my life. But <laughs> <laughs> I never do. But the but the reality is it's such a secret of experience that you're suffering every month right. with and um it's affecting your husband's it's affecting your partners, um it's affecting your children and your work. Uh and and you and you're not in a way you're just suffering silently. Mm-hmm. Um when a, when, a, when when someone who's very brave, I mean Tanika um is publicly sharing her most intimate uh, experiences and her, and, 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 and her fears, which is incredibly brave. I mean, in a hugely public way. So, other women, uh, she gives of herself so that other women shouldn't suffer like, like she did or her mother did. And this is now bringing women out of the woodwork. Right. And that's what, really what we're trying to capacitate. And then, uh, to, and then we'll, we'll take you through a, a process. Um, and the process might land up with no medication, uh, with medication or just a hug or an mm-hmm. operation. Um, and it doesn't really matter. Uh, Because uh, the more women are out there The more advocacy we can create uh, The better lives And that's what it's about isn't it It's about quality of life Right Mm -hmm. Um, So if we can improve people's quality of life um, We're doing a good job
1: Absolutely Janika you also mentioned yesterday That you are the first woman In the entire US To start an awareness um, initiative on fibroids Mm -hmm. That is alarming Considering a population of 323 million Yeah Yeah Moreover, one study found that between 80 and 90% of African American women and 70% of white women will develop fibroids by the age
3: of 50. By the age of 50, yes.
1: So when you look at the numbers and when you look at the fa- fact that you're the first advocate, I don't know if there's any more that have been formed after you started yeah. this initiative?
3: Yeah, so there are definitely other women who have uh, joined on this campaign with me. Um, and there have been research organizations um, regarding fibroids, but the first patient advocacy organization in the U.S., yes, I'm proud to say that I'm the first one to do so. Um, and you're right, the stories are very similar and people are um, sharing their stories all over the country. However... With those numbers Anywhere else in the world Or I guess Yeah, anywhere else in the world It would be an epidemic People would be crying out People would be marching um, Anything that you know, affected so many people. Um, so I am just as surprised as you are that nothing has been done prior to this. Um, but there has to be a first for everything, and we're excited about the work that we're doing um, to get women to advocate for themselves and to learn about fibroids. A lot of people still don't even know what fibroids are. You know, they can describe the symptoms of fibroids, but when you when you name it, they're not familiar with it. We still have um, people asking us, "Is it fibromyalgia or is?" It, you know just things that have nothing to do with fibroids, um, so there is still a bit of education that needs to happen about what 's happening with our bodies um, what 's a normal period you know as simple as that what 's a normal period um, if my belly is protruding this way. You know, what does that mean? Uh, heavy uh, cramps and painful cramps. What does that mean? Um, so that, like I said, there's a bit of education that still needs to happen. But we're excited about the work that we're doing and, and we're getting it started. So and it and it has snowballed a bit and people are realizing that, you know, anything that affects this many people needs to be talked about.
1: Kudos to you. Thank you. A a woman filled with chutzpah. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. So last night you launched the White Dress Project Africa. Am I right? Yeah. Uh, Please share some of the conversations, discussions, and interactions. I mean, for example, there was a lady who spoke about the difficulty in finding a sensitive gynae. Given her sexual orientation, yeah. uh, would you like to share? Yeah, that, that was
0: that was a mind opener for me. I'm learning about this all the time. I mean, I, you know, I've been a, a medical doctor for years, and I uh, she mentioned a few things. Well, w- one was language, and the other was you know, she's in a same-sex lesbian relationship, um, and she was bleeding terribly, and she needed to go to gynecologist. The first gynecologist she went to was very insensitive uh, about. Uh, her sexual orientation which okay we can get that or heads around that, that um we've we still got a long way to go in that process of, of accepting people uh who who are gay but the next step which really i had never considered is, you know a gynecologist examines you intimately um and they put a speculum um inside of you and and she never had anything inside of her and so now she's trying to get her head and she used the word violated um which is a word like rape I mean, it's the yeah. same, we, we have the same word, don't we? And so, um, it, she's undergoing a medical test, which is, we consider necessary as medical doctors. Um, but she was being violated. So our insensitivity towards her journey, um, just, you know, I, it took me back. And, and I realized that when I'm referring patients, patients come to me and they say they've got fibroids and I say, okay, I'm not a gynie, I'm a radiologist, but I'll send you to my friend, the gynie. I've got to think carefully, which gynie? Um, someone who's sensitive to who they are um and that that was that was my lesson uh over there i mean we, but as he says it's just every day there's another um you know a major issue we I mean, were talking sorry i'm off the topic i am talking about clay eating um yes and i this is something that really i only learned when you specifically ask about it it's considered normal that you know Thousands and thousands of women are stopping on the side of the road and they're buying potting clay, and because it smells very attractive, their iron levels are so low that they're seeking iron from anywhere. They get almost no iron from the potting clay, but it's the smell is very. And Tanika mentioned that yeah. It, yeah, soap, soap, soap. For me
3: as a soap d- that we use to wash. Yes, wow. yes, bath soap. Um, so I don't I have the desire to eat it, but just the smell and the lather of it has appeased me <laughs> in so many ways ice and is, a,
0: I, is a big one
3: yeah uh, ice is another one I, I eat ice all the time um, and I've had five blood transfusions due to my iron deficiency um so yeah I, I understand clay I, I don't have the um the desire for clay as much but when I smell it I'm like oh this is this is amazing and it and seems a
0: bit less crazy than eating sand right because right, it would be the right. same smell the earthy smell but at least clay is kind of smooth and it's kind of chocolatey and soft mm-hmm. so they're cutting it up into little blocks yeah. and eating it like like potato chips um, and like you know it doesn't solve their fibroid problem you know it makes them feel a little bit happier for them so so when i say the word clay eating it resonates it resonates with thousands when we mm-hmm. talk about white dresses it resonates you understand intimately uh the shame of having a soiled white dress right. and, you, and that opens the conversation mm-hmm. um so this is what we're learning through this process so as as a medical doctor I've, I've got a you know there's a there's a conversation outside of the medical space right. uh, that's so important
1: I mean, w- regarding clay eating, I grew up seeing pregnant women having it, and I thought that was just because of the hormones, the, the that yeah. come with pregnancy. Sure. Hmm. So it, it, it also happens with it, women it, who have fibroids. It's the same effect.
0: So what happens is women with fibroids uh, have very, very heavy periods. Um, so you can, so they can take in iron by, by, you know, if their diet is good, obviously uh, many women in South Africa have a very poor diet, a uh, very low-nutrient diet. But if the diet is, is good, they can replace those iron stores. Um, the problem is if the bleeding is too heavy, uh, then they can't they literally can't consume or they'll take iron supplements and then the the, the side effects of that oral iron um, like bad constipation and so they, they won't want to take that iron so now they're trying to keep up it's like a bath okay so you're pouring it in the top but the, the you know the drain is too wide mm-hmm. so what we got to do is you got to put a plug in there now we do that by by surgery traditionally or a hysterectomy removing the uterus which is inconceivable for a lot of women to think that you know a, a lot of women will go to Ghana and they'll say well you've had three babies why do you want a uterus um yeah. that doesn't make sense it's to not me. as
2: easy as that yeah right. you,
0: why why are those two things related you know why should we have to take out something that that's not necessary to take out it was necessary you know 30 years ago when we didn't have another option but now it isn't necessary so what you can do is you can stop that believe. You can stop it by the least invasive mes- method possible uh, with the lowest risk. And it seems to be the right approach uh, to me. Once you stop the, you know, put the plug in it if you use that analogy, uh, then you can top up with iron. Um, and other, you know, vitamin B and EPO and all sorts of other things. But we can get on top of that. Suddenly you've got power. Mm-hmm. I mean, put because she's sitting at 1,600 meters uh, right now, right? 1,400 mm-hmm. meters we're sitting at Johannesburg. Um, and, and she comes uh, from sea level uh, mm-hmm. you know, in Atlanta, um, she can, you know, struggles to get up the stairs. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not normal.
3: Right.
1: Well, <laughs> it's a lot. It's, 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 it's complex actually. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I get it why a, lo- a lot of people do not want to be having these conversations because it's, it's actually overwhelming. Right. I mean, what was mind boggling for me last night was, uh, former Miss South Africa Karishni Naika's story. Mm-hmm. If, Anybody out there doesn't believe in miracles They just have to listen to a story I mean some of the things that She mentioned I mean was any of this I mean You you knew About her experiences I was hearing it For the first time Yesterday When she yeah. shared That it actually Came out in a Magazine article She yes, was in a yes, cover Of yeah. a magazine That they had to uh, Do reprints I think Three sets of yeah, three absolutely. reprints Because yeah. there were So many women Out there And still today That suffer from this But they do not Want to go out And talk publicly About right. what they're Going through
0: But you feel An obligation As you have So so you Sonia Have taken on You know You've had it incredible journey and you had access to the best doctors and you've you know you are educated and you've got you know the internet and, you, and it's all there but you go through this whole crazy journey um and krishna had a similar i mean she's huge, you know got an amazing network and 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 she's a, a director in net care. she could pick her doctors and still they struggled to make the diagnosis and then she suffered through it and then Eventually, um, she, she met, they managed to remove five when She got pregnant and, and had a beautiful baby, um, but it was it was like a f- you know multi year journey that she had to complete, um, and that's I think really what we what it's about is is googling um, uh, you know doctor D. Google is quite dangerous. Um, as well, because then you hear all these terrible stories, and then you become an expert in something that you know nothing about, and, and that's also you know the flip side of the coin. But if we can if we can have these awareness events where women uh, ask their questions, they, they get to chat to Gani, and cha- I mean, often. It's the first time they've actually really spoken to someone about these problems, not talking to their partners or, or their friends about it. Um, then they can have uh, you know start the healing process.
1: I mean, not only did she fall pregnant with a partial. Uterus, mm. right. she carried the baby to full term. Yeah, to term, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. said it's a miracle. miracle. Yeah. And talking yeah. about my oh, yeah. oh, yeah, that's that's why I want to bring Audrey in here because Audrey, uh, this is where you uh, come in. And I remember Dr. Gary's post was a miracle baby Zoe's story. Mm-hmm. Please share.
2: Um, I think my story is like probably like any other woman's story, but we're hearing it maybe for the first time. Um, I was suffering from fibroids probably before I got diagnosed, but I just didn't know what it was. Um, I got introduced to fibroids quite early. My mom suffered from fibroids. She had a hysterectomy because of it. And uh, as a young girl, you know, I remember nursing her in bed and helping my dad without understanding what fibroids were up until I grew up and I started menstruating as well. And um I just thought it was a heavy period I thought, you know, my periods were terrible I was always at work um I mean at home Two days or three days uh, a month Every single month I would text my manager and tell him I'm sorry, I'm not feeling too well And my husband would come home And find me, you know, on the couch In bed, in pain And he was probably the only one That said to me in the very beginning You need to get this checked out This is not normal, it's you shouldn't be having I mean, as a guy you could see that this is this should not be happening. And so, you know, when I fell pregnant in twenty fourteen for the first time and I had miscarriage and, you know, I just sort of thought, Okay, you know what, I need to try again and I did and I had another miscarriage And I think the gynecologists that I was seeing also at that time were not sensitive to the fact that I had, you know, I now had these fibroids. I remember the first gynecologist that I saw told me, point blank, you will not be able to carry with uh, the fibroids that you have right now. Mm -hmm. And I was on her bed and she had just realized that the fetus had no heartbeat. And instead of being sensitive to that, she was there telling me, you never, you need to get these taken out. It's never going to happen. And you know the second gynecologist that I saw was pretty much the same thing up until I got in touch with Dr. Gary and he sent me to Dr. Lukaimani who was saying who, and she changed my perspe- my perspective on fibroids and she said no it's not that you will not carry or you can't have a baby you can but these are the complications that will come with it and she educated me and my conversation with her made me understand what I was suffering with and what steps needed to be taken that's when I went for my first procedure with uh, Dr. Gary uh, in January last year.
0: So yeah, so so Audrey had terrible fibroid disease. I mean, lots and lots and lots of. I mean, just try and describe it. Um, balls of muscle uh, and 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 fibrous tissue that become like a whirl. Like a tennis ball, golf ball, or smaller, and they're various sizes. And they within the muscle, the uterus. Sometimes they're in the cavity where the baby forms. Sometimes on the outer surface. Um, but they they form this tissue, and and what they do is they they kind of uh, so they cause a a, a, a geographic or a, a blockage because they're large uh, ball that where the baby should be. But they also draw blood into them. Mm-hmm. So that any developing fetus is competing uh, for blood with the fibroid uh so so the problem in Audrey's case was there were so many that taking them out uh, physically would leave her with no viable uterus and that's what the first gynes were saying mm. they were saying look if we attack these things you may be left with nothing um, and then you won't have a uterus and then you'll never have a child so or and, and the reason for that is you know if she's bleeding in that procedure um they're going to choose her over the uterus so we got to save your life therefore you lose the uterus and that was unthinkable so she went through this long journey and, and, and two pregnancies that she lost because of the fibroids uh, we referred her uh, to a great gynae I mean Abigail Lecomani is super smart uh, at four ways and, 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 and then the journey really started so now we could offer her something that didn't so the, the embolization which blocks the arteries to those fibroids the fibroids shrunk it um, took a little bit of time they shrunk and then
2: for pregnant In pregnant. September Yeah September no, you, no, last year You
0: <laughs> thought you'd lose that baby Like you'd yeah, lost the two Yeah um, So she went through Nine months of, of hell mm. um, You know Checking is the baby okay Is the baby okay And then uh, The fibroids also tend to Grow a little in, in pregnancy So she went through That process Um and, and she delivered absolutely normally a healthy healthy little baby yeah mm.
2: um, beautiful <laughs> oh nice I so, so yesterday gorgeous yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: and that's the message now, now traditionally on the internet uh, if you look up fibroids pregnancy they say don't have a embolization if you want to fall pregnant mm. um, and that's not fair because then what do you do you have a hysterectomy no that's crazy so why should you have a hysterectomy um, you know there there are cases when it's better to do a myomectomy so this isn't a catch-all.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But don't go straight for the hysterectomy. There are cases when you need a hysterectomy too. I mean, if there's a cancer or, or you're bleeding or so, there are good reasons for a hysterectomy. I'm not knocking hysterectomy. But that isn't the go-to default option uh, if you've got bad fibroid disease. And that, that's a message we're trying to get out there. And, pregnancy, so, and and we hear this over and over again, and you will hear this on the Internet, where women who are told they'll never get pregnant have an embolization and get, get pregnant. pregnant.
2: Yeah. I think that's what we need to sort of change amongst ourselves to say, you know, you can fall pregnant, you can have, a baby, but there's another option now with the embolization. You know, it, it doesn't end there. Even with the myomectomy, I mean, I had myomectomy yeah, and no an embolization sure. two weeks ago. That's what you needed. So and that's what I needed. Yeah. yeah. So, I didn't need a hysterectomy.
1: Well, I'm, 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 and I'm happy for you that you yeah. had uh, the, you know, those uh, options, options available. With me, it was different because not only did I have fibroids in 2015, um, I also had a burst cyst, mm. and it it made it a lot complicated. more complicated. Absolutely. And the pain was from lysis. And the
0: exactly. So the embolization would not have worked on the cyst. You had a complex set of problems. Uh, you know, that wouldn't have helped. And so we've got to evaluate absolutely each case and give everyone the information. Tell them what's going on. These are your options. Let them make the decision.
1: Absolutely. And getting second, third, fourth opinion if you can afford yes. to. It's just
0: a vote, sorry, just to mention the medical in South Africa, we always have a go at them and we always hate them and they, you know, never give us anything when we need. Actually, they support this. Um, and it's not necessarily cheaper, um, but they they understand that they have to do best practice. Um, so all the big medical aids and even... Almost all the small ones are funding it completely, um, which which I think is a great vote. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it they're is. not going for the old uh, treatments. They're saying, "Look, this is something we have to do, and we'll pay for it."
1: You're right. I mean, because if you don't have medical aid, the lady yesterday spoke about spending a hundred thousand. Yeah, as a private patient. Absolutely, that's a lot of money. A lot of money. She said she had to do 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 away with her car yes. in order to pay for this op Yeah, because, like I said. Not many people can afford medical aid. It's probably what twenty percent of I've, the population, or even less. Yeah, less than that. That's right. Please tell us more about the partnership between the Fibroid Treatment Clinic and the White Dress Project.
3: So yeah, I am uh, so excited, um, as I mentioned before, to be here, and be in South Africa, and to um, start this partnership with the Fibroid Treatment Clinic. Um, you know, so when we had the opportunity, had the had the opportunity to come. Um, you know Dr Gary and I spoke and I told him that you know it was really important for me to come here and see if the idea that I had in the United States would be relevant here and would be impactful here and just hearing the stories from last night it it's like we're neighbors you know, we're millions of miles apart. However, the stories are so similar. We're sharing in the same experiences with having this epidemic. Um, so that's really what I wanted to come in and do to fact find, to get to know Dr. Gary, for him to get to know me, to see, um, my vision for the organization, his vision, um, for helping women. Um, and I think that we've done that. So we're excited about, um, you know, the options that we have now to, to roll this out in the country um, and to um, get women to be their own health advocate I keep saying that but it's so so important because um, it's just the best message that we can give Um, so I think that we've accomplished um, you know what what I came for which is to to see the impact that it could have here and the relevance Um, so I'm excited about the work that we're going to do in the future i can't
1: wait
0: yeah i i I, this is fantastic for us because you know it's uh, talking to women or talking to the media or you know saying i'm dr gary and i'd like to talk to you about fibroids is is one way of doing it and and when you've got something as impactful as uh, what sneak has created that's a whole different conversation we see it as much larger than south africa i mean it's an african problem we've seen women from uh all over uh africa coming for treatments at our clinic um this is it's a, it's a huge public health issue, but then we can go into governments and we and we can help them with the solution. Um, we we can you know train doctors. We can offer treatments so that we can. It's a holistic approach uh, to what we're trying to do, and and, and through the white dress project, we can start the conversation.
1: I'm glad. And um, you know, Dr. Gary, you also have a personal reason why this is close to heart or yeah. why it's it's become a passion of yours, uh, if you don't mind. Yeah, how did these. I
0: land up here? That's a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> so so I started uh I, I became a doctor and then I became a radiologist and there's a special field uh within radiology which is called interventional radiology and that's what you alluded to, which is effectively just doing operations uh but through tiny little holes in the skin. Uh, using radio, so radiology is uh, medical imaging um, and it might be uh, using x-rays or magnetic fields or radio f- fields to see what's going on inside the body attempting to do uh, what would have been a big open operation, something would be an impossible um, possible through a different approach um, so I went to this field and it's huge I mean we were doing livers and spleens and kidneys and you know gallbladders and all sorts of stuff and I did a lot of my training at, at Baraguanath um, uh, Chris Honey Baragonath, uh, I, call Paradise, uh, because <laughs> that's, that's where we did like some amazing stuff. So I, 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 learned a whole bunch of, of procedures. And then I caught on that there was this massive group of women that aren't being treated particularly well. And maybe I can do a little bit better. So the, I didn't invent the procedure. It was invented 25 years ago by, by guys in France, subsequently perfected in the States and in Europe and whatever. So we just, copying what they're doing we're just translating it into our uh, african uh, experience so we were doing it at, at chrisani baraguanath um my personally my my mother had fibroids um my mother had a hyst- hysterectomy when i was 13 or 14 years old um because of of bad fibroid disease and she was in bed for you know recovering for six weeks and i remember that vividly um that was her only option she'd had uh, three children by then so sh- her family was complete but it, for her, it was a very defeminizing experience um, she you know, she lost her womb um, she 's a very maternal person and, and she lost her womb now that it wasn 't an option for her uh, then, uh, but I realized that I had a skill um, and and we could get it out there.
1: You know, for me, getting involved in this um, initiative and awareness campaign um, is a no-brainer. Mm. As I alluded earlier on, in 2015, I had four fibroids um, removed, and, the, you know, it, it was made more complex, as I said, by the right. burst cyst, which meant I needed to go, you know, to theater pronto. And so I had a myomectomy. And um, I su- uh, suffered uh, severe complications And uh, three days later I had to be operated on again mm. The day before I was meant to be discharged from hospital And this landed me in ICU Which mm. is why I wrote the book So how can I get involved? How can women get involved out there?
0: See, so, so this is uh, absolutely what we're exploring um, we, we, We've started White Chest Project Africa It's going to have uh, multiple events um, in the media, it's going to be publicized, fibroids.co.za, uh, watches Projects uh, United States, um, through Facebook, fibroid treatment clinic uh, on on Facebook. We're going to start that conversation. We're going to involve that. I mean, we're going to get um, women like yourself who have um media profile um, involved, who have a personal interest. And all of us have a network uh to 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 push forward um the white dress project uh yes has a, a large experience in advocacy um they've they've created legislation uh in the states we'd love to do that so they've got something called um uh fiber awareness month isn't mm-hmm. it yes uh, july in july mm-hmm. so you know we've set as a target Um uh, maybe we can have a fiber awareness month in south africa um what would that mean what would that create for women um would government be interested uh do they see the point and and so we got a crazy target let's do it and and how do we do it and and can that create awareness change people's lives for the better?
1: And let's not um forget mobile units uh, uh for example, for remote areas, like yes. I said you know you you find um, hard to reach places uh, yeah. where ladies have no information, no internet access, no library whatsoever and most women have actually never seen a gynecologist, right. they've never had a consultation they've never had a pub smear in, in 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 their lives yes. mm-hmm. so hopefully you know the the partners and the sponsors can consider that because you hear a lot of women who say, "When are you coming to?" Well, stuck, yeah, and, and
0: you're absolutely right. And that's not that hard. I mean, it's, it's conceptually, um, it's it's a large ask. But to be quite honest, we've got the network. So for I know the guy that already has mobile ultrasound units out there in rural areas, being paid by government to do ultrasounds. So it's not that we have to go to government to say, look, can you finance this? To do this? It's just getting those connections together. That we can make that diagnosis, that we can have awareness campaign in this tiny little village, that all the women can line up and get an ultrasound. We now know these women have fibroids. Okay, what are we going to do with them? We're going to get them to the next level hospital, that they can have an assessment and then a plan.
3: And that's so important for me, um, to have women like you who are influencers in this region and across the world, um, to be able to to share your story and to have women relate to you. I think that is so, so powerful. And that is really the niche that we found with the White Dress Project, is sharing stories. Like, doctors are great, and obviously they have the expertise. Um, but when you and I can talk about the fact that we haven't worn a white dress in 10 years for the fact that we both have fibroids, it's impactful and now you are my sister, you know? So we have that connection and and my story resonates with you and yours with me. Um, so I think it's so important um, to tell those stories and to have women like you share yours as well because I, I am now, I feel so much closer to you um, because we share that experience um, and I know what you've gone through. I know the pain that you have felt. Um, so I, I think we can't belittle how important sharing our experiences are. Even though we're miles apart, we're, we're together. We're I sisters.
1: love that the White Dress Project um, has a pledge. Please share.
3: Yes. Um <laughs> so our pledge is um so important to us. We we have it on our website. I should have had it memorized, right? <laughs> but <laughs> but it it's so important to us and it, it's just another layer of what I remember. Didn't uh we watched my mother. Yeah. Oh yes. I were well well there's there's an extended version yeah, which, yes, is, yes, which yes. is what I think you're which talking about. Which is on your website. Yeah. Yes, yes, which is what I think you're talking about. So um it's just another layer to bind us together, to unify us and um to say that we're all in this together and we're sisters together and, and not only sisters, but we're we're a family together. You yes. know, um my husband has been so supportive and, and I'm I'm sure that, you know, your partners have been... Oh, that's such an important point you bring up here. So, I
0: I was saying uh, the other day that half the inquiries we get are from men. Um, And Audrey's own story, her her journey ended when her husband heard Mm -hmm. me on the radio um, and took it upon himself... To help her, yeah, he called me, and, and he said, "This is what you need to do." And and I think there's a there's there's a huge fifty fifty here. Um, you know, it's a it's a women's health issue. Mm but men are the ones who, who are really suffering over here. Yeah. And they want to find a solution. The solution-driven. And, and, and I mean, Tanika's uh, husband, James, is hugely supportive. He's, he's at all of her white dress events. Yeah. <laughs> he's sitting yes. there back, yeah. <laughs> just wondering when they're going to end.
3: <laughs> right. Yeah. But so supportive because he knows when I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm, I'm going in the bathroom and coming out with a towel on the bed. So, you know, it it... He experiences it as well. Um, So I think it's important to include um, all of our family members. Well,
1: thank you so much for spending your time with me, Audrey, Tanika, and uh, Dr. Gary. I mean, to your husband, James, and to your husband as well, Audrey. Rodney? Roddy. Roddy. Roddy, yeah. I I think it makes life so much easier when we have supportive uh, partners because no woman should have to go through it. Yes, yes. yes, yes. yes. (laughs) She's really
0: suffering because I'm running around doing this. Absolutely. absolutely. For the the
1: greater good, and and, and, and I know she, she understands that. My humble opinion, after all, this is the opinion booth. Women need to have these conversations I don't understand why it's still a taboo For us to talk about fibroids Considering that is it is the year 2017 I don't understand why we shy away From talking about our personal experiences We often talk about sisterhood We talk about frivolous things Such as the latest handbag and shoes But we shy away from talking about our vagina And mm-hmm. issues centered around it Fibroids are not STIs. Mm -hmm. They are not. Let's talk about them. There is nothing to be about fibroids. Moreover, we as women need all the support we can get, especially from our partners. They should be encouraged to accompany us for gynae visits, not just for pregnancy ultrasounds. A partner that is well informed makes a better lover. And a better nurse aspire to inspire before you expire
0: This is dot com